just like lunch in a picnic basket, you can take your learning on the go. It's time for the Podcast PD Picnic. Hmm, what's in here today? Welcome to this edition of the Podcast PD Picnic. My name is Mickey Mueller. I'm the Educational Technology Facilitator for Norfolk Public Schools in Norfolk, Nebraska. And today I have two of my colleagues with me. Um, we've spent a lot of time together in the last year because we've shared an office together. Uh, we have great conversations on a daily basis and I wanted to bring them on to discuss a topic that is um, near, near and dear to my heart. And um, we're gonna see what they have to say to add to our conversation. So I'm gonna have them introduce themselves. And as much as I love these two lovely ladies, they are actually leaving me at the end of the year. So when you introduce yourselves, make sure you tell people where you are going to. Heather, you want to start? Sure. Um, my name's Heather Thompson. I'm currently an instructional coach for Norfolk Public Schools, and I work primarily with preschool to fifth grade teachers. Um, and next year, I will be the elementary principal for Plainview Public Schools. And I am Renee Rucker. I am also an instructional coach. I work primarily with sixth grade to twelfth grade teachers. And next year I will be the assistant principal at Norfolk Middle School. So we are happy to have you guys join us today on the podcast PD Picnic. And um, today's topic is a quote that I'm sure you've seen, you know, tossed around on the internet or in blog posts. And it is, the person who is doing the most work in the classroom is doing the most learning. And, um, you know, I've seen this, uh, there's blog posts by Kristen Swanson and Alice Keeler. Um, I actually used this as part of my new teacher training last year in a hyperdoc that I had them work through because I really wanted them to um, think about that. That's a powerful statement, don't you think? Absolutely, absolutely. 100%. You know, when I think back on my first couple years as a teacher, I know um, I did most of the work in the classroom. I was busting my behind to make sure that I did what was best for those kids. And um, it wasn't until year three, maybe even year four, that I started to realize, hold on, um, these kids need to be doing more of the work if they're doing the learning. So um, I think I, along with most teachers out there, can can admit that, man, I really messed those kids up my first couple years. <laughs> I don't think that's probably true, but maybe, maybe we all feel like that at some point. Yeah, yeah at some point. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just realized that I really need to make sure that I'm hearing their voice and I'm letting them have some choice in their education and letting them show me that they are proficient in things in ways that are um, e not necessarily easy for them, but in ways that they choose. Right. Even in the English classroom, I would say I was kind of with you. The first two years, it was let's read, let's answer questions, use mm -hmm. the worksheet. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time talking. Um, eighth grade kids, they love to talk, obviously. So I needed to give them time to be collaborative. And I also found they had some great ideas about showing how they understood maybe how, what a book was or writing activities that they could do. So they offered ideas and they did inquiry-based learning together and collaboratively, and that made my job easier too. Yeah, I love that, the collaboration piece, but allowing students to say, hey, this is what's best for me. Yes. Can't I show what I know in this way? I think that's super powerful. Um, and student voice is a big thing that we're uh, hearing right now, um, especially with the Flipgrid, Flipgrid fever movement that we've seen kind of take over Twitter. So I think that's important. Um, Catlin Tucker, who is a blended learning coach and author, uh, recently had a, a Twitter uh, post that said that um, talked about rethinking the classroom workflow. Mm -hmm. And she said that every time you ask as a teacher, how can I, 
we should maybe stop and reframe that and ask, how can my students? And if we look at it that way, we really can see how we might be able to turn over some of the work in the classroom to students. Yes. You know, teachers are so conditioned to do the lion's share of the work. We're designing and planning and reflecting and assessing. But what of the, which one of those kinds of things can we ask our students to do? Okay, so I have to talk about this. Um, so my first couple of years, when I had led my students through research projects, I was doing a ridiculous amount of work before I even introduced the project. Um, so much so that I was saying, okay, this student will research this person, and this student will research this person. Um, and it was probably year four that I got together with our art teacher and our technology teacher, and we said, hey, let's create a research project where we can cross into, and all of us can lead our students through this. And so we selected, I think, four different animals. The art teacher made different art projects that would go with each animal. The technology coordinator mm -hmm. helped uh, help the teacher or help the students learn how to um, use several different ways. So um, if they were doing a Google slide presentation, um, or she had a couple of different choices for them, and then they were doing the research with me. So they had choice nice. in it. They had so much fun with this project and then we made QR codes and so at parent-teacher conferences parents could just scan the code and they could see their child's research project that was attached to their art project and it was just the coolest thing and I thought why have I not been doing this for years because the students got so much out of that than something I forced them into researching. Yeah, and, and I think, yeah, when you see students enjoying learning like that, oh. I mean, that just makes you want to do that even yes. more. powerful. And I think if you make the transition to allow your students to do more of the work in the classroom, you too will find that, hey, maybe this is a better route for me to go. Absolutely. 100%. I've seen a lot of this already in our science and our STEM classrooms with the shift to the NGSS standards, mm -hmm. having that phenomenon, the storyline, kids are encouraged to explore, make claims, do some investigations, and then restate their claims. So they're, they're guiding their own learning and facilitating their own learning, and the teacher really is just kind of directing them as they go through. And you know, I think as we're going through NGSS with science in particular, um, that we have talked quite a bit about, it's a big teacher mind shift, mm -hmm. going from a teacher-led uh, discussion into really student-led inquiry-based. And so we know that this is a huge ask and or a huge right. demand even um, on our teachers. Um, but there are so many resources out there if teachers just reach out and, and ask for help. Absolutely. And I think that some of the training that we have done here in our district over the last couple of years reflects that. Um, one of the things that I've tried to push uh, especially hard, starting with the new teachers on day one, is hyperdocs. Um, because I really think that that can change the environment in your classroom. And a hyperdoc goes through uh, a few phases, engage, explore, explain, apply, share, reflect, and extend. Um, and that is, while it is a lot of work for the teacher to create a good hyperdoc, I think the reward is um, seeing the students work through it at their own pace, mm -hmm. sharing and reflecting what they're learning. Um, and so for me, hyperdocs are one way, if you want to dip your toe into this water of, of having students do the work in your classroom, hyperdoc is where you need to start. We actually had one of our junior high career teachers use that. She was a brand new teacher. 
created a HyperDoc, found a template right off the HyperDoc website, and she loved it. Her kids loved it. Mm -hmm. um, so it does work in the classroom really well. Yeah, and HyperDocs, if you are not familiar with that, that is a community online that is all about sharing. And so people yes. are creating HyperDocs and they are sharing them for free. Okay, don't ever pay for a HyperDoc. That's not the, that's not the purpose or the goal behind HyperDocs. So yeah, lots of resources online available right. for HyperDocs. Well, and I think, you know, it's a lot of work, like you said, up front, um, but just little tweaks here and there to change them as you continue forward year after year, um, it's worth the time right. investment yeah. in the beginning. Right, and if sure. you start with a good one up front, mm -hmm. you maybe are having to change a few links to match what you need your kids to do, but there's no sense, I mean, you, yeah, you can create your own from scratch, but my suggestion always for first time teachers using HyperDocs is find one that's pretty close to what you want and modify it. Absolutely, yes, absolutely, yes. I think another thing that we've tried to push in the district as far as uh, technology training would be allowing students to demonstrate or show what they know in a way that suits them. Mm -hmm. And so we've done a couple of different sessions on choice boards, mm -hmm. um, giving students uh, a variety of options to show that they are proficient or how they want to present the, the information that they have. And there's lots of different tools out there that you can use for choice boards. And we have a lot of teachers using choice boards in different ways in the district. Right. Um, you know, I think when people hear choi choice boards, they might, um, for fear of not knowing what they are, just say, oh, I'm not going to go down that route. Um, I made cho choice boards as simple as a tic-tac-toe board, where you, all the students right. have to do, the one thing that you're going to require is in that center box, and then they have to make their tic-tac-toe line through there, and they're getting to choose they're outside right. boxes. So if, if they're an artsy student, then maybe they're going to want to do um, a sketch note or um, draw a picture or make a, um, I can't find cartoon. my words, a, a cartoon of it, whatever. Um, but they're getting to choose how they're showing their learning and you're still getting what you need because they have to go through that center box to get it. Yep, absolutely. I've seen it used in a variety of classrooms. I did the similar thing myself with we did bingo, but yeah. yeah, it all works. And it works in all content areas. We don't want to just limit it to one. No. We know that it works across content areas and across grade levels. Yeah, and I think when we reflect back on our initial quote that brought us here, the person who is doing the most work in the classroom is doing the most learning and trying to shift that to a more student-centered environment you know, some teachers may not be ready to go all in. Mm -hmm. Some teachers still need to impart information to their students, Absolutely. right? They still need to maybe lecture a little bit. And, and I want people to understand that in a hyperdoc, that is still possible. You right. can still allow students to pace themselves and go through a hyperdoc, but when you get to that explain portion of the hyperdoc, that's absolutely possible to bring them all together and do a little direct instruction. Mm -hmm. um, what are some other ways, if we still needed to do some lecture, what are some maybe better ways besides students just sitting and looking at Google Slides presentations? My favorite has been Pear Deck. I absolutely love it because you're still, it allows you to guide your um, lecture or your classroom dis discussion, but there's so many interactive pieces mm -hmm. that the kids can give feedback. I've used it in PD development this year. I used it last year as a classroom teacher. That's really one of my favorites. Um, I would have to agree. It's it's one of mine for sure. Um, I have seen some of our fifth grade teachers with language arts that have just blown it out of the water. And those kids are excited to type in their answers or to move their little scroll button to a yes or a no agreeing with um, mm -hmm. the teacher. 
Um, so yeah, I think Pear Deck is a great thing. I also love the sketch noting because I think, you know, for a long time when I was guiding students through notes, I didn't want them doodling. I didn't want them playing on their paper or drawing anything, but it really does allow students to kind of clear their mind while they're listening, just allowing that mm -hmm. little bit of doodling. And so sketch noting is amazing. And I've seen some awesome um, notes. Uh, one from Jen Carlisle, our middle school art teacher. She tweeted a picture of her notes with one of our last district speakers. And I was just like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> um, and I learned so much looking at her notes. And so, you know, maybe even those that have the artistic flair can take those sketch notes and share them with other people that can then get things from their notes. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think I admire a great sketch note. Yeah. I, I, I can doodle a heart, <laughs> maybe a star. I'm pretty good with a flower. Yeah, that yeah. was my uh, Flowers, yeah, but I don't know how much those necessarily go along with what I'm listening to, but yeah, I'm pretty good at that. But I do admire a good sketch note, and I think that that is also a great opportunity to give students a chance to show what they know in a yes. different way. And I think it's okay, yeah, I, I agree with the doodling piece, you know. I think we need to reframe doodling and yes. look at it more as sketch noting and how students can um, bond together their knowledge, what they're listening to, what they're hearing, and what they're maybe writing down with a picture to associate that with. I think that's right. pretty powerful. Yes. Well, um, we want to kind of wrap up our conversation here. Um, this again is something, a topic that we've kind of been talking about a lot. And even as we are designing training for our teachers, we keep this in the back of our mind. Absolutely. Because if we're the ones that are up there doing all of the talking, how much are our students, our teachers, actually learning from this? Instead, we want to get them engaged in the content and we want to get them hands-on as quickly as possible so that they're actually doing the work Absolutely. while they're learning. So um, I want to thank Heather and Renee for joining me today. Thank you for Thanks, asking us. Absolutely, it was a lot of fun. And we hope that you will tune in again for our next episode of the podcast, PD Picnic. Thanks for listening. Thank you.